You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Anybody out there wants to be a director, if anybody has any, any you know, passion for that sort of thing. And um, she talks about growing up in Connecticut and coming to New York and seeing shows and, and where she came from. And, and uh, truly, truly an amazing, amazing interview. Um, so I really, this is one of our favorites and I really think that you guys are going to absolutely love it. This is a bummer time of year. Um, just to get to it real quickly, this is the time of year when a ton of shows announce they're closing and this is so sad. Um, and just a little bit of, you know, context, basically the Tony Awards are, are such a great platform for shows. Ain't Too Proud and Beetlejuice in particular have been killing it at the box office post Tony Awards, but this is something that happens uh, around this time of year. Shows just struggle to find an audience and, um, you know, shows uh, sh- shows close because they were scheduled to close, like, pre, you know, um, uh, limited engagements. Uh, and then other shows just can't find an audience, and it's such a bummer. Um, so we, unfortunately, we say goodbye to uh, All My Sons and Kiss Me Kate this week, uh, June 30th, but those were planned. Those were limited engagements. Um, July 7th, My Fair Lady, Ferryman, and Inc., My Fair Lady was stunning. Actually saw uh, one of our listeners, uh, shout out to Kristen Anderson, sent me a message on Instagram, said she loves the podcast. Kristen, love you. I saw her go on in My Fair Lady as an understudy. She was an understudy. Uh, the original um, uh, standby uh, understudy for Eliza, and she absolutely slayed in the show when I saw it um, a couple months back. Um, we're losing Burn This on July 14th. That was also a limited engagement. But then Be More Chill and The Prom and Cher and King Kong all announced their closing the share show king kong the musical prom be more chill such a bummer and these these shows are amazing august 11th be more chill and the prom closed if you can get to new york to see those august 18th share and king kong close um and so you know this is just a tough it's a tough time of year because a lot of these shows you know were showcased really well in the tony awards and um you know, I remember seeing the prom performance, and I was like, "Gosh, this this is so killer!" So, on and a little bit of prom news, it and it was announced that prom is going to do a movie directed by Ryan Murphy of Glee fame and all of the American Horror Stories and American Crime Story, starring a little somebody named Darren Chris. Go blue, not a big deal. We played songs together at Saba's Cafe in Ann Arbor when I was a freshman. He was a senior. That was where we we met. Not a big deal. Um, so Ryan Murphy is directing the prom movie. Dan's not here this week, and we're going to get into this next week because the prom announced their cast list. Meryl Streep, are you kidding me, is going to be in this movie. But 
I got some issues with it. We're going to talk about that next week. Dan is going to help moderate because I got I kind of got fired up when I saw the casting announced, but we'll get to that next week. Um, I really just want to get to Gina's interview. It's unreal. I do want to take you through a little something awesome right now. Just things we love, right? We started that last week. Super fun little segment. I'm going to give you something that I love. So totally off the beaten path. The drummer for Moulin Rouge coming to Broadway. They start previews this week. Guy named Jared Schoenig, good friend of mine. He gave me a drum lesson before bandstand. So I did bandstand on Broadway and I had played a little bit of, you know, pop rock, rock and roll drums since I was little, loved to play the drums, banging on the drums, but I never had a real, real lesson. I had like, you know, friends give me some pointers here and there, but he gave me a real drum lesson with the Donnie Nova band before we moved to Broadway. And he came in and we spent two hours basically teaching me how to play jazz and swing. This guy is an absolute animal on drums. And he plays with all sorts of really cool Broadway people um, in their in their cabaret shows, 54 Below, and and um, you know, clubs around town. And one of the person one of the people that he plays with is Cynthia Revo, Tony Award winner Cynthia Revo. And Cynthia, who has become an absolute A-list movie star since she won her Tony for the color purple back in 2016 has recently come out with a PBS uh, PBS recorded her doing a concert at uh, the Time Warner Center. And I really hope that this gets out because you can't really find the video, like you can't find it on YouTube. Um, I think PBS is keeping it super tight and then they're gonna like sell a, a DVD of this concert at some point, but it's unreal. So Jared posts this video on Instagram of him playing drums with Cynthia Rebo, and they do this cover of I want to dance with somebody. And he has written this beat to go with I want to dance with somebody with Cynthia just singing for Jesus. And it is one of the coolest things that I have ever heard. And so I'm going to drop that audio in here right now. And you guys can listen to just this snippet of it. And then go check out the video on his Instagram. We're going to put it on the guys who like musicals Instagram. It's Jared Schoenig on Instagram. That's at J. S-C-H-O-N-I-G on Instagram. So I'm just like super plugging him, but you got to check out this video because it's unbelievable. But listen to the drums. Okay, here we go. Okay, so that was completely insane. Uh, that's the thing that I love this week. We're going to get right into Gina's interview. Thank you for everybody for tuning into this. We got a ton of people who actually listen to this podcast. I cannot believe 
the outpouring. Uh, so keep sending us messages. I promise we're going to get to everything. People have been asking us for interviews and who you want to talk to. We're going to we, we're going to do a motherhood episode here uh, in the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk to uh, some Broadway moms. We're going to talk to um, swings. We're going to talk to understudies. We're going to talk to stage managers. We're going to talk to all anybody in the in this business that you could possibly want to want to hear from. We're going to try to get to everybody because there's so many interesting people and so many cool stories. And we're just going to throw a mic in front of them and let them talk. So thank you so much for listening. Um, do the subscri- subscribe and uh, uh, you know rates and all that all that nonsense. We're officially we figured out how to put this podcast on Spotify and iTunes and the whole thing. So um, thank you for listening. Here is our interview with Gina Rutan. You have I love to read it. it. Let's start. Let's start. I wish we had all of that on here. Well, the steam heat has the ended. Steam heat. And, right well um done. so now we can we just get to but we just had like a, we just had a 20 minute conversation about permaculture and sustainable farming <laughs> that, that pe- people will never get to hear uh gina hi welcome to guys who like musicals <laughs> thanks for having me guys who like musicals. <laughs> we're so excited so that stupid. you're here oh. gina rattan gina rattan rattan gina rattan i don't know um, no, I mean it's Gina Rattan. I know that. I just think God, I just, that's I her name. Just like, don't say it, it wrong. Like, okay, just so people know actually who you are. Yeah. Um, okay, so thank you for being here. <laughs> this Thanks is still such me. a new idea for us, and uh, we thank you for taking some time out of your day to literally just sit in Dan's living room and talk to us. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we met doing Cinderella the musical. We on did. Broadway, Gina is a director, a creator, a um, really associate director um, for a lot of really big things, and then directing a lot of your own things and and all sorts of all sorts of cool stuff. How many shows have you been the associate director for as of now? Like, do you know off the top of your head? Uh many. Uh, I would say, I think that there's probably. A number, I would say, let's say that there's four sort of key, iconic, for me in my career, Broadway shows that I've done it for, which were Billy Elliot the Musical, Cinderella, uh, Matilda the Musical, and Angels in America, not the musical. Not the musical. <laughs> Angels in America, the musical the sounds saga. vaguely They're, terrifying. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't need that. Um, so those, those have been sort of like the key touchstones for me career-wise, both in terms of um, as an associate on Broadway, in terms of um, where I was in my career, and also what I learned from each director and each team. Um, and coincidentally, only one of them was directed by an American, and also only one of them was directed by a woman. Mm. Two different shows. So, but how did you get the theater bug, like the directing bug? When did that plant in your brain? How did it all start for you? I was really fortunate to go. I grew up in Westport, Connecticut, um, and I was really fortunate to go to a public high school that had a really robust theater program, basically. Um, each year we did, and they still do, two main stage musicals and then a black box production that were directed by the uh, theater teacher who had a dedicated roster of theater classes during the day. Uh, and the whole theater organization was run by the students. It was called Staples, which yeah. was our high school, Staples Players. Um, and Staples Players was just uh, all the theater kids who love to make theater making theater. 
Um, and so basically, and they also had student productions, student directed productions, I should say. Um, uh, and the students played in the orchestra, the whole thing. So we had um, my sophomore year, I was in the Music Man and, um, you know, we're, we're in tech for Shapoopy and everybody's like where they're supposed to be and doing the thing and everybody's wearing their white jazz boots like, you know, they really should. Very good theater kids. Um, and I danced ballet as a kid and, and had enjoyed com- coming to the city and seeing shows with my parents uh, just for fun. And I auditioned for the musical and I did it. And I did, and I guess in middle school, I should should say that my resume included Fiddler on the Roof and Annie Warbucks. Outstanding. The sequel to Annie. Um, and Bye Bye Bernie, of course. So in any case, so I'm do, we're doing Shapoopy. And after the end, the end of rehearsal, the director... Um, his name is David Roth. He said to me, he said, Gina, you know, it's really interesting because you're very focused on what everyone else is doing on stage and not quite so much on what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> and I felt instantly, I felt terrible, right? You're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, you're right. I really should just be focused on me. And he actually said, well, actually, this is, um, this is what directors do. Right. Um, this, you know, would you be interested in being an assistant director? So I, I finished the run of The Music Man in the ensemble and tried to really focus on what I was supposed to do mm-hmm. and not so much that the other kids maybe weren't standing where they were supposed to stand. <laughs> uh, um, and then the next year, I worked with him um, as his assistant director on Hello, Dolly, which, yes, we did at my high school, mm-hmm. and um, uh, a number of different shows, like three or four, and from junior year to senior year of high school. So really started doing that and then directing my own stuff in the black box, a 10-minute play, a full-length play. Um, and just really, I really enjoyed it. And I think a lot of it had to do with, as a young person, um, someone seeing what you're good at yeah. and actually seeing you and saying, oh, there's a skill set for that. That's like a job. That's a thing you could do. It doesn't have to be on stage, which I think is so crucial for young people to making theater, that it's not just acting. Um, And that's a hard thing when you don't necessarily have a super robust theater program for someone to be like, you don't have to be on stage. You could just make the costumes. Um, Right. You know, in any case. So, um, and then I I found, I sought out and found... um, a really great kind of niche within the theater community at my high school and became the president of Staples Players. And that was a really great thing to help run and facilitate all the different student-led groups within there. We did our own publicity. We painted and made our own sets. It was this whole, like, it sounds a little culty, but it is still... <laughs> well, the theater is, is kind it, of, yeah. you know, it's right. sort of culty in general. So I was, like, really right. ready from the beginning. And, you know, it was really... It, it got me out of the house, which was something I really uh, was attached to as a, a junior and senior year. I could say, oh, I can't. I play practice. Like, yeah. I can't. Sorry, I won't be home till 8 o'clock. I won't be home till 10 o'clock. I can't yeah. go on that vacation. It was mm-hmm. really... That was something that was good for me, Um uh, living where I was living when I was when I was younger, um, and one of my closest friends from Staples Players went to Michigan a year ahead of me, uh, and he was like, "Oh, you should come visit. This school is really great." And I was like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds like fun because I'm a junior and I'm visiting all these schools." Or, 
Oh, no, I had applied, I think. And then he said, you should come visit. That's what it was because he's only a year ahead of me. So he was at school. Mm. He invites me to come visit. And, um, and a couple of my was... friends, Justin Paul. Yeah, who, and, small, little-known composer now. But yeah, but like, he's, he's, you know, I just want to be name-dropping yeah, No, that's fine. Yeah, why not? Uh, why yeah, not? Like, that's the, we'll so, do it for you. So, that's fun. That's fun. Like, you know, you're here for a reason. That's, so, you know. And it's because I know Justin. <laughs> I knew it. Exactly. That's um, it. Yeah, Justin and I have been making theater together since we were five years old. That's so cool. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Um, and Peter Duchan, who uh, didn't go to Michigan, he went to Northwestern, but he wrote the book to dogfight and lives in New York. And is, is, he's a really prolific book writer. He's really fantastic. Yeah. Um, eh, in any case, so um, a, a couple of friends and I went to go visit Michigan and our friends who had gone there the year before. And um, Justin showed me around the School of Music, Theater and Dance and the whole thing. And I was like, well, this is great. And they have an undergraduate directing program, which is really unusual. Um, and I got accepted and I went to Michigan. So that, and that really kind of kicked things off for me going to school there because especially with the directing program, there were so few of us that you could kind of just raise your hand and say, oh, I want to do that. Or can I work on this project? Or right. can I observe this person? The RSC had a residency while we were there, the Royal Shakespeare Company, which then allowed me to see and work with a totally different style of making theater, um, you know, which is, British people who basically just like the only different ingredient in their theater making versus ours is time. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was really a tremendous experience and fun. And so in any case, so that really kind of uh, going to Michigan and pointing to opportunities and not really seeing them as like, oh, yeah, this is going to like this is going to be it but just right. saying oh i'm interested in that yeah, and then sure. slowly realizing like oh cool this person is working and i want to work so maybe then i should just ask them if they can introduce me to someone and learning that way right. that that's how all directors get work anyway um is by saying to people that you want to do things and really just sort of not disappearing from their life uh in a very legal way but not disappearing <laughs> from right. their life right. um you know, it's it's so that was really great. And so Michigan kind of kicked everything off for me, I think. And then the, the, that key moment uh, I always point to, though, of my high school theater director yeah. really saying like, oh, you could do this because you don't I didn't see it in myself. Um, yeah, and looking back, it's obviously I can make this beautiful linear story, but it was all a freaking mess. Yeah. But sure. it's such a great I, I that's my favorite the genesis of all of it is my absolute favorite. We were we talked to people about that too. Like who was the person who who pointed at you and was like, actually, like this can be a job and we all have that person. And hope you know, it was in high school for me, but you know, you had Justin showing you the way like you can go to school for this. This is a real you know, did you yeah. always want to undergraduate like major in directing? Or were you I like did. I'm all like I'm a highly ambitious person and I came from a very achievement oriented community so it wasn't for me at 16 17 years old it wasn't really an option mm. to be like oh i'm gonna figure it out or i'm gonna get a ba from right. middlebury which because everybody in your community is like going to yeah. harvard and if you're right like in yeah in they're going to fancy schools yeah. or and or they're like finance doctor right fucking like <laughs> right. you know yeah. hedge fund pre-law right, all right. of that stuff and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're into it. Exactly. If it's you, yeah. but, but I was not in a place as a, 
as a young person to go like, oh, it would be okay if I didn't major in the thing that I wanted to do the second I left school. I right. was just not. So I was I was lucky that that it exists. And Michigan's is is great. I mean, it's changed a lot now because it was in its more or less infancy when I went there. It was like four or five years old. Wow. Mm. The directing program. Um, and you know, looking back at it, when I talk to young directors, it's I say a similar thing that people said to me that made me want to punch them. But it's <laughs> like you know, you need to keep directing. You need experience. Part right. part of directing is life experience. Right. Um, and what Michigan does, I, what, what that program did so wonderfully, especially um, uh, I think for me, is that it it, get, it required you to take classes everywhere you had to take a science class you had to take a math class you just mm-hmm. which was horrible right. you, to, you know language <laughs> right, right, right. arts all this stuff in addition to all the theater class classes to really um political science to really engage you with this idea that like if you're directing you're in conversation with what's happening in the world yeah and in your community you're not just making theater because it's fun right um you have to be a well-rounded individual who is you know has access to all this information and they say the best actors are the most interesting people like the people who just want to be actors and read plays and do act like that's not a person you want to hang out with or a person you want to see on stage let alone a director you want to a director you want to be or a director that you want to emulate or you know that's a very that's a cool thing that they did so i mean i didn't at the time i didn't know it was like rolling my eyes it was like the science of music like somebody please this is horrible but i learned a lot from that class actually um i wanted to take that class actually science of music yeah yeah there was like couldn't get in it was full stuff. oh well it's probably full of directors who are all <laughs> rolling their eyes um um and the and university of michigan like forced you to make stuff is kind of what you were saying yeah, it's like it forced you to make stuff. It allowed you. There's this thing called Basement Arts and Musket, which mm-hmm. the the two like two organizations which allowed students to direct and and be involved uh, in making theater. Um, it, I also think it was it was important for me, especially to leave the community that I was in, so that I could really find what I was interested in. Mm, And I think that was a really difficult time for me in college was like my, like picking electives Hmm. because I was so focused on and, and from this place that was like achieve, get the thing that you want, make the thing that you want happen. And then when I had a slot or two slots a semester to decide of which class I wanted to do, or even like, should I take lighting design this semester or, or, costume design or whatever i was stymied i literally was so not in tune with what i connected to or what was interesting or important to me because i was just on this path of this is the thing so it's right. i always like encourage people really um if they're you know to when they're going into this business especially to like get out of where you come from definitely get out of new york city yeah. definitely mm-hmm. like fail and experiment and play and find yourself where there's not the pressure to start your career. Right. Um, and be able to just go like, yeah, I really don't, what am I interested in? Like I better go take a walk in the yard and figure it out because what, you know, I think kids, especially like you're, we just train them to be good and we don't necessarily always train them to like think (laughs) or to learn about themselves. Um, so, that was a huge part of college for me that really influenced the kind of art 
that I wanted to make as well, which I discovered over a, peer, a number of years. Well, and especially with, with the arts, like almost like athletics or anything else, you're, you're pointed in a very particular direction. Mm. And you do get to a point as, as, you know, an actor or as a director where you have to, life is not all about art all the time, but your art becomes better if your life is more full. Yeah, that's you know? exactly so what they, I was going to say. Yeah, they kind of force you into that, which wouldn't, which was, which was fantastic. So you, you graduate and New York City right away? I worked for one summer at the Guthrie as the assistant director on the Little House on the Prairie musical. Ah, um, so that kind of helped me make the move to New York because I knew and had interned for Francesca Zambello, who directed that um, when I was at school. And then I moved to New York and I worked uh, I worked for a year as um, Tom Schumacher's assistant at Disney um, at his desk and learned a heck of a lot there, um, especially about Broadway and how like what the animal of commercial theater is because mm-hmm. I didn't really learn about that in school so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Um, and I also worked for two summers uh, at the Old Globe in San Diego as Adrian Noble's uh, assistant director on their, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, Summer Shakespeare Repertory Festival. Mm. And those were the those were the sort of key beginning jobs. And then I became the resident director on Billy Elliot. And that, how did that, who, who did you meet to become the resident director on Billy Elliot. Was that, was that like a, uh, I don't want to say a schmoozing thing. You know, it's not, but it's like you got a network. Network is yes. a nice way to put it. Like the sure. networking, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So I got connected to Billy Elliot because Tim Federley um, worked on Little House on the Prairie as well. Tim Federley is an author, actually. Now, he's a brilliant author. He wrote the, a book series called Better Nate Than Ever. Um, there are, it's a book about a little boy who um, gets on a bus from Pennsylvania to New York to audition for E.T., the musical. <laughs> They're great. The books are hilarious. Um, and he, you should also follow him on Twitter. He's very funny. Um, so Tim actually, can, he taught tap. He used to be a Broadway dancer, and he taught tap to the boys in Billy Elliot and knew that I was a good director and great with kids and um, kind of just starting out and taking on the sort of behemoth of this giant running show would be something that would be of interest to me um, at that age. Because now at the point I am in my career, if someone was like, hey, would you want to do this? I'd be like, I'm good. I've been there. Like, no it's, it's crazy. Right, right. Um, so in any case, so he then interested in, in, no, Tim then introduced me to uh the associate director who was kind of taking over all of the billies in the world i think at that point there were three or four um and i had several meetings with them i had an audition basically where i had to work with one of the kids it was pretty rigorous um and uh talked with stephen daldry and julian weber who stephen daldry directed billy elliott julian weber was the original associate and it was very much a sort of meeting of their minds the making of the show um yeah and then i got the job and i did that for a year until the show closed but you've been the associate on a lot of big shows and that means something very specific to that show and then you know you're constantly directing and and developing plays and things on your own working with with artists doing concerts doing all sorts of things what what is the that specific associate resident life what's the hardest part of that sort of the running of a show and keeping it up and, and all of that, like that life for you, what was the, what's the hardest part of that, I guess? Well, I think it's definitely, 
if you come into a show that's already up and running, it can be very tricky to try and change the tide of morale or culture of a show mm-hmm. once it's kind of calcified. Um, and that can be hard because sometimes you want to and sometimes people want things to be better and you can affect change. Uh, sometimes you can't. Um, I think it's really hard. It's really hard to be the day-to-day person because people get sick of hearing from you, right? <laughs> like uh, if you're the director and you come in once a year to see your show, right. people kind of, whether or not they want to see you, I'm, I'm talking about actors mostly, but it also <laughs> applies to stage managers when you're like, right. oh, hey, that cue was late or whatever. Um, and this is not like a personal attack on anyone. This is really yeah. just kind of part of the gig. Like sometimes people are like, oh, no, not you again. But it's also because you're the one that's like, I know, but you know, you and I both know that's not really how this is supposed to go. Right. And sometimes right. people are like, okay, 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 okay. Or sometimes, you know, it gets can get confrontational or not so much fun. Right. Um, Right. But it's and it's hard to maintain something also that you didn't set. So, right. yeah. you know, in terms of intention, in terms of blocking, it's easy. You're right. like you're on supposed to be on four. The light special is on four. Like, what are you doing on two? Right. I can't move the light. Stand where you're supposed to stand. <laughs> right. like, you know, it's that. Um, but it's more the sort of interpretation stuff, which I absolutely understand with actors. You know, it can change and wants to change night to night enough so that it feels alive and present. Right. However, there are parameters that are set and it's my job to be like, you know, the au pair of those parameters. We can talk about them and like see what happens, but I'm not going to be the person that says like, yeah, sure, you can go to bed at midnight. Like yeah. that's not my job. <laughs> it just isn't. Yeah. Um, and that becomes especially difficult uh, when the sh- when it's Tony time and everybody's yeah. really – Everybody, 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 of course, naturally, and it just is what it is, is like worked into a freaking lather about the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On stage, off stage, producers, designers, everyone. Um, and sometimes the director is not available and you get, that's like your job. Yeah. To make sure the show is as good as it was on opening night for all of the Tony voters that are going to come after the actors have done six hours of press that whole day and they come in and do like angels in america a four-hour show and you're like this is crazy of course they're tired right Mm. um so it's really it's really being that day-to-day person and when you know i will always call myself the grim reaper because people like see me coming down the hallway and all of a sudden they get on the phone or like they shut the door i come back um, I hope I wasn't like that on Cinderella. No, no, no. You weren't like that at all, Joe. You can call me out in front of the dozens of people. Replacement casts are often more fun, I think, in that capacity because you have a director actor relationship with right. them as opposed to the associate from the. But it just depends on the people. Right. Um, and oftentimes, you know, really persistence will win out and you just can wear people down. Um, and, and no one has, I mean,. No, that's not true. But I think I think it's really <laughs> she just went like inside her head and was like, "Wait, I'm oh, I'm not yeah, going to tell that story about that jury." Right? No, it's just completely fine. <laughs> We're not here to, to not here to do that. Um, but I will say, I I I you know, and I say this to every actor that I work with uh, when I'm maintaining a show is I have I truly have the utmost respect and admiration and awe for 
actors who do the same thing every night. I could not do it. I wouldn't. I don't. There's not a bone in my body that wouldn't feel just like, well, why don't we just do that instead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really impressive and really amazing. So I always try, um, and I'm not perfect, so sometimes I fail, but I always try in note giving to to approach it from a place of that is included as part of the conversation, which is like, look, I know you're doing something that is this crazy Olympic thing, and how do we still really make it work in this way? Because that's sort of what we have set. Or, and sometimes this happens, we include the director in the conversation and say, okay, so it's not working for so-and-so anymore. This is what I've been asked to do. What do you think? What, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, And a lot of times actors are perfectly happy to have that conversation. Sometimes I need to have that conversation separate from the actor or whatever it is. Um, But it's such a different... You could never learn that in school, right? Like, it's such a different way of making theater. Yeah. Where it's like, no, no, you can't. This is not, you know, in some ways it's a living, breathing thing. But in other ways, like, this is exactly what how you have to play this role. Right. I say that they they teach you how to rehearse. They teach you how to audition, audition, how to get cast, how to make things. But there's no way to teach you how to run something for a year, six months, a year, two years. Like the ins and outs of that and also as a director and as a resident director to to keep the show as good as it was on opening night and as an actor to keep it as fresh as it was on opening night like yeah. there's no way for them to teach you that there's no way to like take a year and be like okay so now after your senior year of college you're going to go and do a show for a year on the you know on the yeah. school's dime or something just to figure out how you can you know it's keep nuts. a show that's up why i swear by my non-actor it was the best thing i ever did because i was like oh here i go i get to actually play this role 300 times and i was like oh this is what acting is right yeah right because you cannot know that before beforehand right. i direct a lot of those non-actors and that's a that's... huge part of what we talk about yeah. is like this is your entry level job and this is the best entry level job you could get you're getting the experience and right and you get to just do the show and honestly it's really wonderful because a lot of those kids who do the non-actors right they're mostly all fresh out of college a lot of them go on to do like being in the business and some of them are like oh gosh i need to make either a totally different kind of theater because i can't and don't want to repeat things this many times sure or this isn't for me yeah and how else do you learn that other than by doing it and you know hitting that show i mean i've worked with people too who um don't always do theater um and that's a big thing for them too of like oh my god i've done 50 shows mm-hmm. and you're like uh-huh yeah uh-huh right it's right. only 50 shows right 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 exactly that's but a it, month and a half exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right it's such a different the the you do film or TV and it, the, the mechanics of it are completely different. Totally. Completely different. Totally. Um, I have, feel like I have a million questions for you, but the one, the we'll jump into the bandstands talk for a second because you're currently in the process of casting or maybe have just... We're still casting. still casting yeah. the bandstand national tour. Correct. Um, you did the Cinderella national tour. These these non-equity, you know, they're non-equity tours. And what what is that like then to, you know, you're at the helm... But it's also the setting of something that has existed. And so we were talking, you came to see Frozen 
uh, the other night to see the little girls uh, who you worked with on Matilda and to see me, obviously. Yes, to see Joe. Uh, um, but <laughs> to be mean, actually, I think I said I came to see. I can't wait to see you be a big jerk face. A big jerk face. That was the text. Yeah, to see a At big. Least jerk. You went. Yeah, Dan hasn't gone yet. Um, oh. And so, and I, I give him crap about it all the time, but that's okay. Um, now it's becoming a bit that like you haven't come, and so now I'm just not. Gonna you're come just not going to come at all. Mm-hmm. Um, like but, I haven't had Taco Bell. I'm not going to see Joe. <laughs> Just ranking them. Taco Bell is first, just in case you're wondering. Lord. Um, so wh- as you as you set something that has existed before, but now like you were talking about some of the, the things that you approached Richard and Rob about script wise and, and working with Andy and stuff. What's that like to say like, okay, now we're doing this fresh and new, um, but let's reexamine this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, they're, they're two different experiences, which I'm grateful for. Cinderella I've been with from the beginning, beginning. So doing the tour for me was something, taking a show I knew in my bones. And then um, we had to reconceive some of it for the parameters of the non-equity tour, um, technically speaking, excuse me. And we also, I think we're pretty still we were very faithful i think to character interpretation but we had to change some of the casting stuff around because some of the other principals had to be in the ensemble and they turned into featured anyway whatever it actually worked out great um but (laughs) (laughs) unexpectedly it worked out great i swear (laughs) i know it did well we had to put we had to like make jean michel who's this comedic character an ensemble member to cut down on cast size Uh, and at first we were like god and this was also you know a good lesson for me like are there funny dancers? Of course there are funny dancers. Right, there right. were like hundreds of funny guys who were great dancers and could do all these things. And we just, of course, in the same way that I get pigeonholed in this industry, we also pigeonhole everybody else. Totally. To be like, dancers do only do this. You know, these kinds of actors only play these kinds of roles. And then we were, you know, consistently so pleasantly surprised, right. um, which was fun. Um, and so Bandstand is a show that um, I love and have always loved and um uh, andy approached me to direct it direct the tour because you know he's kind of busy kind of busy uh being andy blankenbuehler plates spinning at the same yeah, time no big deal yeah. um and and he was really awesome and really generous with it too of like he really said to me he was like take it mm. go like there's some things we mm. should talk about and some um touchstones that are super important to the story and and which i totally get and appreciate and also really appreciate that because people who've been working on material for so long know like don't go down that road Mm. whatever that is you'll be tempted to interpret something this way but it really makes this confusing or whatever Mm. um so and i you know i think i have there's a i i learn and enjoy a lot about remounting shows um it's not something that I would do forever mm. um, because I certainly I relish so much the process of working with designers. So and also conceiving sort of from the ground up what a show might be or how it might look or how it might make the audience feel. So and there's only so much of that you can do within the context of a show that is meant to be the Broadway version of a show. Right. Um, right? So we can't redo the set for Bandstand because mm-hmm. that's. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the set, but it's not like a conversation that's not on the table or the lighting design or any of that stuff because it is supposed to be Broadway's bandstand. You don't get to sit there and be like, you know, you don't get to sit across the table for the first time and be like, hey, what are you thinking about Mm -hmm. Which I'm sure is incredibly thrilling. 
on a new piece. Yeah, it is. And on a new piece, it also influences. Like, if you have great designers, not only did they, you end up with something that is aesthetically really interesting, but what I'm really interested in is, is creating an environment and creating the sort of atmosphere of a piece mm-hmm. and, and how designers look at something is so different than a director. So they'll be able to point things out about it and not just like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we made this really moody? But like, can you believe that character does that thing? Like, they're such a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you kind of go, oh, my God, I never thought about it that way. But what a really interesting way to think about it. That makes a lot of sense. And how might that influence the storytelling and whatever it is? Um, you know, designers are like definitely a director's secret weapon. Right. Any good director, you know, they've got great designers working with them because you're just they, they're so instrumental in that process. Um but also, you know, I also always read things. So if people are asking, you know, will you direct this musical here? Or are you interested in this or whatever it is? Don't watch it. I'll read it. Um, and the same mm-hmm. thing, I, I watched Bandstand, um, the movie, which is awesome. Watch the movie, people. If you haven't watched it, it's so fabulous. I don't even know where you get it, but it's really Fathom good. Events. Uh, every, Fathom y- events. Yeah, every once in a while, they like put it in movie theaters. It's so fabulous. They're going to try to did do it. Did they sell it to Broadway HD yet? They, they do a lot of those on Amazon. Yeah, they haven't yet, but they're the, the film should be available on some streaming platform at some point in the future. It's really fabulous. I've kind of, and, and so, but I read it, and I've been reading it when we're casting it, and I'm not watching it while we're casting it because to me what I don't want to do ever which I find makes for really stale theater and I've done this in in uh also in casting replacements for Broadway shows is a you have to or understudies to read the play you have to read it you have to see who this person is I don't want a carbon copy try try to make a carbon copy of Corey or Laura or you or anyone in the show it's really important for it to feel like an organic group of people that come together um and to me also the vitality of the story of Bandstand really depends on whether or not Donnie is some sort of an underdog Mm -hmm. and if you don't have that you lose a lot of the um value in uh how important it is that they make it to New York and how they make it to New York. Yeah. And if you don't have that balanced in the story, you've got like a good 15 pages of people talking about singing and singing about going in a first class car. And mm-hmm. I could, great. Why don't you just take the bus? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to really understand that balance and, and not only just part of part of that is casting uh so anyway that it's it's fun to do and i really love working with young people they're also happy to be there Mm -hmm. they're really committed they're super into it um bandstand especially i'm sure you experienced this joe just appeals to legions of young people yeah they feel so connected to the piece um and i think that sadly has a lot to do with how much violence they deal with in their daily lives with gun violence and everything that's happening in our country and also love which is good because there's a great unrequited love story in the show which is very teenagey but that's actually a remarkable point that I didn't think a lot about. I mean, the they do they do deal with with violence and and especially you know going to school. Scared yep. to go to school is that going to be a war zone? I mean, you know these horrible articles about a dad picking up his son from the third mass shooting mm-hmm. in Colorado. You know, it's just that that is PTSD. Uh, yeah, PTSD and, and applicable in in a way that it 
unfortunately is very real um oh sure and i but i back to the you know the that that's so fascinating about the casting of the show too because we tried best we could in the creation of the show to make that trip to new york how they get to new york why they get you know why they go the way they do and how they go the way they do to come through and that was a conversation after conversation because otherwise it's just a couple of spoiled you know Correct. you know entitled people but you know i think getting across that these guys this is what they they want to go the way that they feel they need and you know the way they deserve is um is really important and and comes from casting and comes from the development stage of that um i can't wait to see it i mean i hope because i haven't actually like you know hopefully we can make that happen because i've seen the movie and it was very strange to see the movie but to also like go see it on stage i think would be really exciting so so that's happening you're in the midst of that what is the for you like your you know i like to say the unreachable star the the goal your end goal the goal that is you know forever and always like is there something like you know some mountain what's the the mountain yeah the pinnacle the mountain you want to climb or well it's so interesting you asked me that i've been thinking a lot about that actually recently um as you know, as we've spoken about, I come from this a community that's like achieve, 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 achieve. Mm-hmm. And that's just like the environment that I grew up in. And, you know, on paper, I'm doing that. Doing all of the right things. Right. Yes. In terms of like where I've had, I've been very fortunate because some of this career is just sheer dumb luck. Totally. So I've been very fortunate um, to be in the places that I've been in. Um, and I'm also you know, worked hard to continue to make those things happen. Um, but I, I find myself very dismayed by what is hap- how Broadway is happening <laughs> and what shows we make and who gets to make them. And this is, I should contextualize this by saying it is nothing absolutely nothing against the work of the artists that are making the shows. Um, But I find that the industry uh, kind of rewards a very specific set of people for doing a very specific set of things. And that set of people and that set of things get smaller and narrower and narrower. Mm. Um, You know, I've so, so on sort of like the big picture for me, it's really, I, I, I really want to, shake up this industry and figure out how we make it commercial theater more inclusive how we make it uh more open-minded and as progressive as it says it is right and Mm -hmm. i would like for it to be more transparent i'm disappointed that there is a lot of shady stuff that happens all the time in this industry that is not brought to light i'm disappointed that um in every other entertainment industry there has been a sort of reckoning for um sexual predators in the workplace and that has not happened for commercial theater it's happened in radio (laughs) right like in terms of and no no offense radio people but like in terms of like people who really are accessing and making and amassing lots of money and power um there are a lot of those people. Uh, there's not. There's not that many of those people. Excuse me. Mm. In Broadway, that sort of in the Broadway community that hold the keys. And I'm like, what's the deal? Yeah. Why are they safe? Yeah. Why do they hold the keys? Yeah. yeah. Well, and they get protected. Yeah, and why are they? And protected? and and I've worked on. I mean, I've been. At, I've been groped at work. 
I've been called honey at work. I've been locked in an office with someone at work offering mm. me wine uh, during a show. That was not a fun experience. Um, I got out. I mean, obviously, I'm here today. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um, right, but right. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. I've been treated really quite differently from my male colleagues. I continue to be treated differently than my from my male colleagues. I mean, it's real and it runs yeah. rampant. And I'm sure it also happens to not just women in this industry, but also men. And uh, I've worked on shows where people, you know, they're like, oh, you're working with so-and-so, just be careful. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I warn my other friends about those kinds of people too. And I, I just, so to me, I'm like, how do we change the system? How do we make this better? Mm. How do we represent, how do we do the thing that people, that theater people are supposed to be doing? And they right? say that we're doing, they say yeah. that we're the most inclusive. And and it's commercial theater. It's also, you know, nonprofit theater. It's really, and some of it I think comes down to, and I don't know, if you talk to a producer, they'd be like, all of it comes down to but to, a lot of it to me is about money and where money comes from and how do we get money and how do we get money to do the thing um and and like i said earlier english people have all this time to make theater they get five weeks to rehearse a play yeah like angels in america rehearsed for 13 weeks before going into tech i mean it's two plays but like yeah yeah right it's hard shit how are we supposed to compete with that you can't yeah look at how many shows from england are on broadway Right. You can't. You you. It's not possible. And there's an overlap there to, I will also say, in fairness to us, there's an overlap there of people who do theater and film and TV. Mm-hmm. Much more here, here much more it's separated mm-hmm. um, yeah. because we have the West Coast and East Coast thing going on. But there it's like, oh, well, I'm on Coronation Street and that's shooting in London and I'm also doing something at the National Theater. Um but so I think there's a big problem. And I think, so I think for me, I would really love to find a way to make it better. Yeah. Um, and I'm feeling more and more like I want to make a difference on a bigger scale within the industry. And I don't know what form that takes, but that's, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're very active on social media. And I, I, I just, I texted you when I said that we wanted to start this thing we wanted to chat with people that we find interesting like when the announcement came out about uh the princess bride and the princess bride is a movie that we've we've we love everybody grew up with and then it came out that the announced creative team there was there were no female members of that creative team and and you went on you you had some really eloquent things to say and and sparking that conversation to be like what are we doing now why why is it this way why is it still this way why are we the most quote-unquote inclusive you know artsy group of people and yet it's still Hades Town is all of a sudden such a remarkable thing because it's it's a female creative team waitress female creative team and it's like why is that such a remarkable thing in 2019 and how can we develop a show like The Princess Bride and not have a female voice on that team yeah well I think the important thing to note about The Princess Bride which is is important is right now it's just two writers like so so to at least we're gonna say at this point right they're gonna hire some women to do that show Um, because i think i think the important thing to to, like is the conversation of which i find to be interesting and complicated is who can tell whose stories right but what i think is important to say is like how do we represent 
the voices of the characters or of the story with right. the voices on the team. Yeah. So in that example that you gave, it's two ma- it's two male writers. That to me, and I think they're both very talented writers, but that to me is disappointing because it comes from just a legion of history of only men making women's stories primarily. Right. In musical theater. Yeah. This is something I think about a lot, which is who can tell what stories. Yeah. Yeah. And I find frequently um, I am hired and told I am hired uh, because I'm a woman Mm. to do a job, whatever the job is. And apart from that being, I don't know that you're really allowed to say that um, when you hire someone, but there's also something that I don't think people realize that can be kind of tokenizing about it which is to sort of say like, oh, well, we assume that A, you're going to bring a certain perspective into the room, that you are going to be able to be like sensitive and in, and really <laughs> mm-hmm. get into the emotional and inner life of the characters. And you'll be really great at working with all the difficult personalities on the show. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like you yeah. don't know anything about me and I'm actually kind of tough and like... Right, I can also scream at somebody if they're... You yeah. Know, yeah. So so there there's that and that has to do with how people perceive me. Um. Uh, or women and then there's so there's like that there's that part of it and then there's the part of it which has been always fascinating because I'll look around the room once the whole team is assembled and it'll be all white men and me so really it's not necessarily that inclusive as much as it is a way to perhaps assuage an appearance of looking like it's all dudes Mm -hmm. um who like musicals but not no that's literally the point though that's like what uh, because because we wanted to talk that's all we are but like in a world where you are want to be a part of that conversation want to be better want to make you know try to i mean even say you want to help sounds almost silly but it's like what you were saying about your pinnacle like we want to be on your team that's why we're here Yeah. so like how do we help how what's the so starting the conversation honestly like that's a very entry level way to say okay how can we let's ask the question let's start the let's have the conversation a thousand um, percent because otherwise then you're just perpetuating the same shit over and over and over again and nothing ever changes and so it's like yeah you need to we want to learn this we want to know what's going on and figure out a way to help or put a microphone in front of you and yeah, let you just talk and, and like, yeah yeah exactly know. well and it's complicated and i think that's the thing that's very hard about how our world wants to function today right and i have a lot of compassion and deep respect for people who have told me we're hiring you because you're a woman it's not like i'm like fuck those guys they're assholes like they're people i admire and they're not jerks and they're not terrible and they're not predators like but i think it's it's a it's like our world wants to be binary. It wants to be like, yeah. it's either mm-hmm. a one or a zero. Right. It's either this kind of a tweet or that kind of an Instagram post. There's no, like, conversation becomes, and we all know this just from, like, watching the news, right? Which is harrowing in its own, <laughs> <laughs> on its own. Um, just, what's the scariest piece of theater you've ever seen? Yeah. MSNBC. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, <laughs> but, like, in any event, 
But like, so, so the conversation is actually quite complicated and it's harder that because it's hard and it's hard for me because I want to do these projects and I am interested in working with these artists. And then they, there are these sort of icky feelings where I think actually they think they're saying something nice, right? Which is like, we don't want to just hire in our one slot where we can hire someone. We want it to be you and we want it to be a woman, which is a, which is a good thing empirically. But I, there's, like, it's that complicated by that factor of like, yeah, but okay, so that's it. Yeah, you don't. You can also just say you want to hire me and just full stop. Period. Right. Yeah. And right. that's 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 it. Because you want to be hired based on the value of what you're bringing to the table, regardless of your gender. Yeah. Obviously. And would you say, right. yeah, yeah? And would you say that to a dude? No. No, you would never. You'd be like, oh, thank God, a man. <laughs> right. <laughs> right right or like you you definitely wouldn't say it to me based on my ethnicity um i don't think we really shouldn't but right. so it's interesting it's really interesting and i think you know if you haven't seen it go see what the constitution means to me yeah beg borrow or steal to see that show yep. call out I will write you a doctor's note. <laughs> it is. We have tickets next week. We actually had brilliant. tickets and then they canceled the performance because I think it's something to do with Tony related stuff, but we have sure. tickets. So. Her, I mean, it's trans, it's transformational. Her show. And she's so, so bloody brilliant. Her performance is so brilliant, but like, you know, Heidi Shrek is fabulous. She wrote it. It's her show. It's her life story. It's directed by a man. It doesn't make it bad or worse or wrong or any of these things, right? It's like we all get a role in telling a story. It's about how we represent people's voices. And I think with musicals in particular, there's a huge disparity. Yeah, Plays are really starting to catch up, especially on you know in the more downtown theater scene but there are only three musicals on broadway that are directed by women and one of them is the lion king which you know was directed many 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 right. many many years ago right um and by one of the women who's one of the only women who's allowed to do to have that role like it's like there's a club and they aren't letting enough new people into the club absolutely right. and you know rachel chafkin is now like Thank God she's she's yeah. here to to do that and and to be invited into that club. But, but do, how do we expand that club faster? What like, does it mean? Like you said earlier, Gina, it's about it comes down to money and it comes down right. to like who people. Yeah, they rely on. We'll they give rely the millions of dollars. Yeah, to. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you twenty million dollars right. to you know to direct my musical or whatever. Totally. And it and they have people are still inherently closed minded about that. I think so. And I also think, listen, my husband is a producer and something that we talk about often is this idea also that they're accountable. A producer is also accountable to a group of investors who give them money, right? right? This is like Broadway is a high risk investment, but you literally sign something as an investor on a Broadway show that says you may not make your money back. Right. This is like you may be signing away anywhere from, you know, whatever the lowest buy-in rate is, like 15 to like that $15,000 to $5 million, right? right? Whatever right. it is. So there is an accountability in that way um, th- that goes both ways, which also helps me understand why it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, the days that I feel really angry about it. Um, but, it, but you also like look at a lot of, a lot of those investors are also men. And what's so fascinating to me and so strange to me and this very sort of like, 
loopy doopy way is women are the primary buyers of tickets right like women buy tickets to see theater you know it's like 60 percent. yeah like everywhere not just yeah. on broadway yeah. so it's this funny thing but it comes i think you know a lot of that comes down to just how what our culture thinks about women and how women get treated and internalized misogyny and all of these different things that women don't feel like we have as much of a voice so then we don't get into these places where we're making a bunch of noise or making a bunch of money that we're going to sign away or there's no one caring for the children so then somebody has to and you know it's like there's a huge knock-on effect of why there are more male producers on Broadway. Um, but I think there, there, there has to be a way for the Broadway League to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I have to like do some more research and talk to some more people and think about it. But how do you, what do you do? I mean, there are just so many, and it's hard. It's also very hard because there are bajillions of people in New York City who make theater. Right. So it's not just like, oh, there are five people whose like turn it is to get this job. <laughs> like it doesn't work that way. But how do you just say like, no, we're gonna we're gonna say this is okay, or do something like I don't know, try and encourage people to co-direct and say this director is super famous and really successful. And he's going to co-direct with this other director and they're going to make something together. Or how do we, you know, and maybe that would be a complete nightmare because a lot of directors have crazy egos and that would be difficult. But there's got to be some like, yeah, because off-Broadway isn't that anymore. It's not like you in terms of commercial off-Broadway and the downtown and and commercial theater worlds are not as compatible uh, in terms of. The milieu of people that make them it's very different so well and i do think you're right that to look to the downtown scene as a bit of a model because those you know rachel and hadestown came from new york theater workshop and and mm-hmm. you know they're i mean sing street is coming you know there there are these these things that are in the pipeline directed by women that that start with with those organizations saying listen this is the way that it should be done and also like I talk about it with producer friends all the time. Broadway is is an old boys club. It's an old, old club that does need to be changed yeah. there, from yeah. from an investor standpoint, Huge. from the way that the money is spent and how much money is needs to be spent to get into the gates of of these you know hollowed halls or whatever. It's it is old school and needs to be shifted. And so, so I guess that we've started the conversation. We're going to fix the problem. This We're is right it. here. Yeah. It's the genesis of the. It's going to happen. I don't know. Do you have any it, advice for young directors or young females in the business? I mean, I would say that, yeah, they should, they can call me. Yeah, um, call I you. mentor a lot of young women Six, in four, the business. Slide into the DMs. Um, just give her a DM. Yeah, you could DM me on Instagram. Um, but, you know, I think. I think. I think the older I get, and I acknowledge that I'm not very old, but I, I'm not um, quite young anymore, I guess. Um, Especially when you grind on your vocal cords. I like did that, it on like, purpose. I'm not that I was, I was <laughs> doing an impression of Beth Lavelle doing an impression of um, Eleanor Roosevelt in The Prom, which I saw yesterday, and great. she was so fabulous. Great. Um, and she does a great, bad, great Eleanor Roosevelt impression. Perfect. Anyway. I think I think the thing is is that it's easier now for women 
to start out and I'm happy about that. Um, I'm happy that they have as many role models uh, as they do as directors, as choreographers, um, and also as associates. I mentor uh, associates too through SDC because we're currently seeking uh, union representation Uh through the league. Mm -hmm. SDC um, represents us, but there is no um, Broadway uh, contract for associate choreographers or directors, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In terms of everyone else being on some sort of union contract. But... um, yeah, I would also say like that whatever path you're finding yourself on is okay. And everybody does it a different way. Um, but get in front of as many people as you can. Talk to as many people as you can. And then when you meet someone, ask them who they think you should meet with. And you'll just keep meeting with people until something happens for you. That's mm-hmm. a big, that's a big thing. Awesome. Gina, Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Holy cow. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. You're amazing. And this was incredible. Yeah. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.